Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're looking at the Pascagoula UFO abduction case. Just before we get into that though, I just want to say if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous episodes of the podcast, please make sure you subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform that you use. It helps us get the podcast out to more people. And just a really obvious one, if you know anyone who might enjoy Paranormal Thoughts, please share it onto them. That is one of the easiest ways for us to get out there more and more is you guys sharing within your inner circles. It is a massive help and it, I just really appreciate it. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our blog at paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. You will get a bunch of extra information on there normally or any imagery or videos that I'll kind of reference throughout this episode. We also have our Patreon. So if you want episodes early or exclusive content, you can jump on over there it really helps the podcast from a financial point of view. Uh, obviously, obviously, to produce this podcast takes a lot of time and it does cost money as well. So anyone who wants to help us out, it is massively appreciated. And the more people who want to support, uh, the more I can do this podcast as well. So thank you so much to everyone over there. And also just quickly, if you ever want to reach out to me, if you have a story you'd like to share with me, or just, you know, reach out for some, if you have a question or anything like that. The best way to get in contact with me is you can email me at paranormalthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Or another great way is just DM me on Instagram because I'm on there like every day uh, checking messages and so on. So if you ever want to reach out, you have something that I might be interested in, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you guys. The Pascagoula UFO abduction case was one that I was a little bit familiar with before going into doing all this research, but I didn't really know it by that name. I only really knew the very basic idea that there were two men fishing when they had a UFO experience. So when I started to look into this case, I found it pretty fascinating, to be perfectly honest. There's always a reason why we have these select few cases that kind of come up time and time again. And this is, you know, once again, one of the pretty well-known, pretty well-documented cases. Both men who had the experience have gone on to write books about this. There's been a lot of UFO writers and investigators who have looked quite in-depth into this. So what we are kind of left with is a pretty clear timeline of the events that unfolded that night. 
So this event took place in 1973 on October 11th. The two men were Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker Jr. These men were family friends and Calvin was a fair bit younger. He was only 19 years old and he had just moved to the town of Pascagoula, which is a city in Jackson County in Mississippi. Calvin ended up getting some work with Charles and one evening after they finished for the day, the men decided to go and unwind and do some fishing. The original spot where they decided to fish wasn't really ideal, there was a lot of bugs, so Charles decided to take the men to a different location. When they got there, Calvin noticed that there was a no trespassing sign, as this was an abandoned shipyard. And he thought they probably shouldn't be fishing there, but Charlie assured him that he'd done it heaps of times before, there was nothing to worry about. So they walked about 15 minutes to get to the pier, where they decided to cast off their line. Before long, the men noticed that there were blue lights flashing behind them, they could see it in the reflection of the water. Calvin automatically suspected because they were meant to be there, it was going to be the law. It would have been a patrol car coming to tell the men to move on. But when the men turned around, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. What they could see was a round craft with a dome on top, about 40 or 50 feet away, descending to the earth. The craft stopped and hovered about two feet above the ground. The men also remember hearing a almost zipping sound coming from the craft as well. Uh, but then the story gets a little bit stranger. A opening appeared in the craft and a blinding light came out. The men then witnessed three beings leaving the craft and floating towards them. That's right, they didn't walk, they actually floated just above the ground. These beings weren't much taller than five foot. They had no neck, a pointed nose and pointed ears. And they explained their hands to be claws, almost like crabs. Two beings approached Charlie on either side, while the third went towards Calvin. And the next thing they know, these crab-like claws grabbed the men. And when this happened, they both became paralysed. The beings then lifted the men and took them back to the craft. So at this point, this is going to be Charles Hickson's report of what happened inside the craft. Charles remembers being examined by these beings. Charles remembers a small device dropping from the ceiling. He explains it as an eye, and this eye examined his entire body. After this examination, the men are then taken back to where they were fishing. Charles is placed on the ground and notices that Calvin is already back with his arms stretched out, staring, almost in a trance. The beings proceed back into the craft, and the craft leaves. At this point, the men have no idea what has just taken place. They're obviously very shaken up and don't know how to proceed from here. Out of the two men, Calvin appears to be the one who is most shooken up. Calvin expresses his concern to Charlie, saying that they can't tell anyone what they've just witnessed and what they've just experienced. And then Calvin goes on to say that he doesn't remember anything from the point of seeing the beings and being brought back. He doesn't remember being on board the craft. He wants nothing to do with it. Let's not tell anyone. Let's just move on. The men pack up their belongings and head back to the car. Now, it was Calvin who drove them to this fishing location, and Calvin expresses that he had only just bought his car three months prior. It was a brand new car, and the passenger side windows were smashed, and the passenger side was the side that would have been facing the craft. When they got into the car, the car wouldn't start. Calvin believes it took him about 15 minutes to actually get the car to start, which was really unusual because it was a brand new car. At this point, the men uh, took some swigs of some alcohol that they had in the car to sort of calm their nerves, but they do state that they did not drink prior to this event. The men drive to a payphone and Charlie jumps out of the car to make a phone call. At this point, Calvin thinks he's going to be calling his wife or something like that, but he actually calls the local Air Force Base to report seeing a UFO. And the Air Force Base tells him that Project Blue Book, which was the government's study into unidentified flying objects, had actually ended three years prior and that they don't deal with this phenomenon anymore. So the best thing they could do is call the local law enforcement. And that's what Charlie does. 
He gets on the phone to the sheriff and explains what had just happened to him. Obviously, the sheriff is kind of thinking of these guys, obviously, gone out drinking, or they're high or something, so I'll send, I'll send a patrol car out to meet them. Obviously, at this point, Calvin isn't too happy because he just wanted to forget all about this experience happening, and now the police are involved. The police meet with them on the side of the road and do a sobriety test. Both men pass and decide to take them back to the station to do some questioning. The men are separated and asked similar questions about what they were doing there that night, what they witnessed, and it seemed like both men were telling the exact same story. Another big thing was how shooken up the men both were, mainly Calvin. It seems like whatever took place had left him extremely disturbed. They put both men in the room together and do some more questioning. And the interesting thing here is that there was a hidden tape recorder in that room. So when the sheriff left the room, he left that tape recorder. And what was caught on that tape was actually the men still discussing the event that took place. And you can hear how distraught Calvin really is. I will have a play some audio of the sheriff, Sheriff Fred Diamond, and his opinion on what happened that night. Sheriff Diamond, can you tell me just what happened that night? No, sir, I can't. All I can tell you is it was two men came into the sheriff's department approximately 8.30 and 9 o'clock. They were all excited and upset. Wanting to climb the walls. Hysterical, crying. That's actually all I know is what happened. I mean, as far as me seeing what happened, I don't know. Tell me about the lie detector test. Well, so that was run by Pilkington. Was it Pilkington? Huh? Uh, Pennington. Pennington. That they run this type of test about six times a day. And when they were asked to come over here to, to talk to these people, they had in their mind that they, it was just a big joke. And if I understand it correctly, they ran one test on Mr. Hickson. The machine showed that he was telling the truth. Then they run another one. And then the examiner, he began to wonder himself. So he ran the third test and he believed just what Mr. Hickson had told him. The men then leave the police station and go back to their places of residence. Calvin's quite concerned about the idea of coming in contact with these beings, not knowing where they're from, anything about them. And he remembers when the Apollo astronauts would go into space, when they would come back, they would quarantine for seven days. And he thought, well, we should probably be doing something like that in case, you know, we have some sort of disease or infection. You know, we don't want to be giving that to the people around us. So he decided to take a bath that night in bleach. He bleached his entire body because uh, that's the only thing he could think to do at that time to kill any bacteria or infection. The next morning, the men arrive to work and there is an absolute frenzy of media waiting there for them, so much so that the boss has to send them home for the day because they just could not conduct business. Now, at this point, Calvin's a bit confused how all this media personnel has heard in such a short amount of time about what had gone on. And at first, he blamed Charlie. Charlie was the one who kind of seemed to want to tell their story. You know, he was the one who wanted to report it to the Air Force and tell the police. So obviously, it must have been Charlie, right, that has leaked this story for whatever reason, whatever his reasoning is. Calvin does go on to say years later that apparently uh, a lot of the media outlets there, there was one quite close to the police station. They would have radio scanners. They'd be listening to the police frequencies and actually could have potentially picked up um, that they had sent that police car out to pick up these men. And then, you know, I guess word sort of spreads. But regardless, what happened that night in Pascagoula was now known very quickly by a lot of people. 
Calvin ends up quitting that job and moving away. And pretty much he became quite a recluse. He didn't really want anything to do with what happened on that night. It seemed to really scar him quite tragically. And uh, every time he would move somewhere new, he would start a new job. Uh, Once he was recognized, he would then quit and move on to the next place. And he did that for quite some time. He was really trying to ignore this very substantial event that took place in his life. Charlie went the other route and decided to talk a lot about the event. He thought that it was his calling to do something. And at this point, he hadn't received any message or any direction for what he should be doing or maybe why he was picked to take part in such an unusual event. But he felt that he should be speaking out about this. And he wrote a book um, some years later uh, and kind of did the whole media circus thing and decide to really speak out about it. The following year, in January of 1974, Charlie went for a hike and he noticed while he was hiking that the forest was extremely quiet, so much so that there must have been a predator or something around. And then he sees it. He sees the same craft that he witnessed in October the year before. And then suddenly in his head, he hears a message. We mean you no harm. We mean no one any harm. You may communicate with us later. You have endured. You have been chosen. There is no need to fear. We will communicate again. One month later, he hears another message. You must tell the world we mean no harm. Your world needs help. We will help in the future before it's too late. You are not prepared to understand yet. We will return again soon. So obviously, Charlie does go forward and keeps on sharing his story, sharing his message. And now that he's had this very clear message, he believes that he is doing the right thing. That has now become his life's purpose, that he's had this experience for a reason. He wasn't randomly chosen or anything like that. There was a purpose behind it. On May 12th, 1974, Charlie is driving in his car with seven other family members. Everyone in the car notices there's a light in the sky that appears to be following them. Before long, the light catches up and ends up in front of the car. At this point, they can make out that the light is another craft. At this point, Charlie wants to get out of the car. He seems drawn to this craft, but his family plead with him, please, Dad, don't get out of the car. But before Charlie could get out of the car, he hears yet another message telling him, go, there'll be another time. Obviously, the beings must have picked up on the energy that was going on in that car, so they decided that we will meet at another time. But unfortunately for Charlie, that time never comes. That was the last time he received a message or had seen a craft. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, originally Calvin reported not remembering anything about the abduction itself, just the before and after. But that's actually not the case. He did remember the experience. He just didn't want to bring any more attention to it. I guess it's one thing to say you've seen beings or a UFO, but one whole other thing to then be taken and uh, examined and so on. But his account matches Charlie's exactly the same small eye-type device coming out of the coming out of the ceiling and doing a scan over his whole body. But he also goes on to mention that he had an ex- a one-on-one experience with yet another being. And this being looked very different to the original beings. They sort of describe those original beings being very robotic, which is another sort of term that comes up time and time again in these abduction cases where it seems like the original beings that people um, interact with don't seem to be fully conscious Flesh and blood um, beings like us, they seem to be more drone-type, robotic-esque creatures or what kind of have you. But this being that Charlie was um, having this interaction with, he describes as female. He said, I guess she had softer, human-esque kind of features that did resemble um, a female. And also, he heard a voice telepathically that sounded female. This being did a physical examination. She placed her fingers into Calvin's mouth, uh, right back into his throat. She then tried to make her way up through into his nose. At this point, Calvin began to choke and his nose bled. This is when he heard that telepathic message saying, we're not going to harm you. So just like Charlie, Calvin also had some experiences after the initial 1973 abduction. This was many years later in 1993. Calvin went out for a fishing trip by himself. He told his wife he'd be back before dark. He arrived at the fishing spot, took his boat out at about 11am. Before long, Calvin wakes up and it's pitch black. It was 3am the next day. Calvin looked down and he had blood all over his shirt. He also noticed that there was fish in his cooler, which is very confused about because he doesn't remember catching any fish. He takes his boat back to land and on his car windscreen, his wife has left him a note. Obviously very concerned about where he was. At this point, Calvin actually reaches out to Bud Hopkins a very well-known abduction investigator in this field. And I've spoken about Bud Hopkins a bunch on this podcast. And he is someone who I sort of idolize quite a fair bit when doing a lot of this sort of research. He's someone I sort of grew up um, with as well. I was aware of him at a very young age and has been very influential, I suppose, to my 
my sort of time looking into cases just like this. And Bud is very good at hypnosis um, and doing hypnotic regression. So he put Calvin under hypnosis and some very interesting information came out about that original UFO abduction in 1973. And then also it happened on this night in 1993. out in 1993, the same craft, the same beings abducted Calvin once again. So that's the initial kind of Pascagoula UFO account there. Two men out fishing get picked up by these very unusual, I'll definitely go check them out on the blog, The these beings that uh, I haven't really seen reported before that took them on board this craft. They had a pretty standard uh, examination, a bit different um, from what you might typically hear as well. It wasn't, it didn't seem to be as invasive from what they can remember anyway. And then put back right where they were supposed to be. It's interesting that both men have had experiences after the fact as well at sort of different times. There's been some pretty well-known researchers that have looked at this case, such as J. Allen Hynek, and as I mentioned before, Bud Hopkins. So we are left with quite an interesting abduction case here. So some other evidence I've come across is there were some other eyewitnesses that night that also reported seeing a UFO. Larry Booth, who was a Pascagoula resident, was at home and went to check that his front door was locked. When he looked outside, he saw a round craft with lights flashing around the outside and a dome on top with light shining out of the top. He remembers seeing the lights were flashing in a counterclockwise motion and that the craft made no noise. Susan Snow lived north of Pascagoula, but she was over the river that night and she also witnessed a craft with a very similar description as well. The fact that we've had at least these two, and then there are others as well I've come across, who have reported seeing some sort of craft that same night with a very similar description is something that can't be ignored, I think. Something else as well is that Charlie and Calvin both took part in lie detector tests every time passing. I've spent a bit of time now listening to both of these men speak, more so Calvin in recent years, now that he has kind of come forward and admitted to what had taken place. Uh, he's now gone on to write his book and sort of done a bunch of interviews, a bunch of podcasts. So I've sort of spent over the sort of last little while a fair bit of time listening to both of these men. And to me, these men don't sound like people who could fabricate a story like this. There's not really any reason to. Obviously, they have now both um, made some amount of money off their story. Um, I should mention as well, Charlie has passed away. He passed away in 2011, but Calvin is still alive today. Other than, I guess, the men selling their stories, um, but 
I look at someone like Calvin who tried to ignore it for the longest amount of time. It's only now that he's an older man has decided to tell his story because he kind of got sick of people asking about it. He was always sort of known as somewhat of a celebrity when it came to this. So people would always, if they recognized him or saw his name somewhere, they could track him down and want to ask questions. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to write this in a book and then I can sort of put it to bed. But I don't know if these men could have kind of constructed such a story. They were both just kind of that typical wanting the American dream, hardworking, were happy just to work till they could retire and then, you know, I guess go fishing realistically. They didn't really seem to be the type of people wanting to bring this attention onto them. In the early 70s, the UFO abduction experience is something that's still extremely taboo. Keep in mind as well. I just don't think these men had any reason to lie. Everyone they were speaking with, um, kind of came back with the same kind of came back with the same conclusion that whatever these men experienced they well and truly believed that they experienced it everyone who looked at this case kind of came away with the same thing that these men aren't lying whatever happened they believe happened to them and a lot of the people i speak with who spoken to me about their alien abduction stories you know that's the way i usually always come away speaking with them is it sounds like whatever has happened to you you believe has happened, um, and who am I to say it didn't when you presented some very interesting information and what is your purpose to lie? That is always the big thing. It's, you know, at that time would probably have been the time to, you know, try to sell your story, make a quick buck, what kind of have you, but, you know, I just don't see hardworking men um, from Mississippi kind of going down that path. And I think Calvin is the living, breathing proof of that, that he tried to avoid this for decades. A big thing for me, I suppose, is that they got a lot of facts that come up time and time again when looking at alien abduction, like the initial beings being quite robotic, which we see time and time again, having the telepathic messages sent to them, not actually having these beings speak physically with them. Uh, them also reporting missing time as well. All of these signs do point in that direction that whatever they have experienced definitely does align itself with alien abduction. But that's pretty much the story. That's kind of what the story comes down to, these men having this initial large abduction experience and then, you know, some time sort of goes past. And they've. it's interesting that they both had very differing um post experiences as well where I don't know Charlie's seemed to very much so align with what he believed at the time where he felt like he wanted a message he wanted to know his purpose uh, and kind of went down that route Uh, and another thing that was picked up through doing um, Calvin's hypnosis with Bud that he had been abducted um, throughout those years as well and he just had no recollection of it, which is always that interesting thing that I have brought up a few times now is why do people maybe remember an initial um, abduction? You know, who's to say this was even these men's, uh, you know, first time having uh, an abduction, maybe the first time together, what kind of have you, but why do you remember maybe this one big moment and then everything else is hidden or even to the point of if Calvin has had all these other experiences throughout the years, why why was he then missing for hours uh, out on a boat on a lake where it's so obvious that he's obviously missing? And it's, I don't know, it's always, there's always these questions, isn't there, with uh, alien abduction or really anything paranormal where it's, 
you you could have the best evidence, right? But then you go, well, why why did they make it so obvious in that sense? Um, you know, why why can it be so incognito a lot of the time? You know, someone been taken from their bed, you wouldn't even know they were gone. But all of a sudden, it's like someone can't remember an entire day. I uh, can't remember, you know, going f- like catching fish and so on. I mean, it's just how is that explained? Why is it not this clear cut way of doing things? It's it's so fascinating, and you know, I I don't have an answer for that, but it's something to kind of look at. Is why do people have a certain experience and others have a completely different experience at the same time? It really looking, you know, when you really do start to look at those nitty gritty details, you open up a lot of questions that you're never going to get an answer to. Unfortunately, it's it's very it's very difficult, I think, to look at a lot of these cases. And you know, you're trying. It, it's totally that thing. If you want to believe, you're trying to find the truth in in all of this, you know. And I do believe that these men are telling the truth. They they're telling their truth. That's for sure. That Whatever had happened to them, uh, they believe well and truly did happen. I'd love to know what you guys think about this case. It's a very interesting one. I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about it. I think the best thing to do if you want to know more about this case is pick up the books that both of the men had written, which is Pascagoula, The Close Encounter, My Story, which was written by Calvin Parker, and then UFO Contact at Pascagoula, which was Charles Hickson's book. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you so much as always for taking the time, sticking around to this point as well in the podcast and listening listening to all the research I kind of put together. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you enjoyed it for one. I really enjoy getting to come on here and just talking about alien abduction. It's, it's pretty wild that there's people there who want to listen to that because I would love to talk about this all the time. So as always, just thank you so much. Please check out all of our social media links, uh, our blog as well for all the sources and uh, imagery that you can check out this episode. If you want bonus content or episodes early, please jump onto our Patreon. It helps massively. And please leave us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform that you use. It really does help us. Thanks so much, guys. That was my take on the Pascagoula UFO abduction case. Thanks so much, and I'll catch you in another podcast episode really soon. Thanks. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 